Queer Relationships, an IM clinic podcast devoted to helping you, the LGBTQ plus community, create the love lives and relationships you crave. For me, boundaries was something that I learned a lot later in life. Um, but that knowledge I want to give my kids, like you don't have to put up with um, someone's evaluation of your value for any reason. Like you already know how much you're worth to me and to your father, that you don't need to be concerned with what anyone else thinks of you. Hi, I'm Isaac Archuleta. And on today's I Am Resilient Pride episode, I wanted to share with you the resilience of a 12-year-old gender non-binary student and their allied mother. Many of us are not parents, and yet there is something profoundly healing in listening to a supportive ally mother who has fought hard and will continue to fight hard for her queer child. If you're an allied parent, a queer parent, or someone who could benefit from some self-parenting, this episode is healing on so many layers. I hope you enjoy. Let's take a listen. Hang out with friends and go on skateboards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that's awesome. Um, I'm in sixth grade and I'm twelve, turning thirteen. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. Good. Cool. I am non-binary. Okay. Mm-hmm. And when I uh, came out as Pan to my mom, most my mom, my brother mostly accepted me. That's awesome. Cool. How do you feel um, being at school? Do you feel safe? Do you feel unsafe? Um, I used to feel not safe mm-hmm. because I had a bully at school. Mm-hmm. And but. Um, we took, uh, the teachers took care of it and, um, we moved classes now. So I feel way more safe to go to school now. Good. Cool. What about you, mom? They are 12 going on 13, but they just barely turned 12. So let's just be clear. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Um, They are very energetic and funny. Um, I feel like well-adjusted for where they are in life. Um, I feel like the bully situation they handled with such bravery and um, authenticity to who they are. And um, being that they are my second child, I feel like that gave me a little bit of the ability to... I feel like sometimes with your first child, you're really just troubleshooting and, you know, trying to get a handle on parenthood and um, all of that things. Their sibling is five years older than them. So there's quite a bit of difference there. And so um, it's almost like having two only children um, because they don't really share a whole lot in life stages or hobbies. Um, So I felt like I was more equipped to um, 
And I think my own life experience and growth helped me to be equipped to help them come out in a healthy way and um, really try to support them to be more of them authentic self and not be afraid mm-hmm. or ashamed of who they are mm-hmm. um, because there's nothing to be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. just who you are. Yeah. And when did you first know that maybe you weren't cisgender? I can describe that word. If you don't quite know what it is, you might, but when did you realize that you weren't straight or cisgender? Um, well, I kind of knew because I kind of like liked to dress like a boy sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um, I always like used to like hang out with the boys in school. Mm-hmm. And I found out later, um, before I became pan, I thought I was lesbian. Mm-hmm. But then after a few years, I figured myself out and I found that I was non-binary and pansexual. Nice. What tells you that you're pan? What do you experience? Um, it's just like when I'm thinking of getting a partner or like falling in love, I don't just like boys or girls. I I kind of like trans people too, like non-binary people. Mm-hmm. What does that feel like to you when you say I like them? Is it like you see them and your body does something or you talk with them and your heart feels something? I mostly like when I um, look or talk at them, I like, like if I like have feelings for them, I mostly just like want to talk to them forever. In nerdy psychology language, we call that emotional intimacy. When we're excited to bond to someone or get to know them, to share laughs and to look into each other's eyes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If you feel comfortable sharing, when do you think you first felt emotional intimacy for boys? that wanting to talk to them and be with them and just never stop talking? Um, I can't really remember, but my mom keeps telling me I was really boy crazy Mm. Uh, when I was young. And, like, I always liked boys really much. Mm -hmm. And um, I just followed her lead because I was little and I was, like, a follower. I mean, I still am, but... um, And so I just followed her um, lead and... Um, I found feelings for a lot of boys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When do you feel like you had um, like the first experience of like really being um, thinking boys were cool to like feeling attraction for boys? When do you feel like that first turned on? Um, this is going to sound really stupid, but um, every time they talked to me and were nice to me and gave me attention, I just, like, I thought they were going to do that my whole life. For sure. Um, but, like, some days they're angry. Sometimes they're nice. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah. That what think- age? Um, my whole elementary age. Is- it's, like, maybe, like, around five or six years old. Yeah. When do you feel like you first felt that for girls? 
Um, I had this childhood friend since five to twelve right now. Um, we did break up as friends once, but then we came immediately right back. But when I was young, um, she already knew who, what her sexuality was. Um, I'd rather not say because... Um, you, don't say, you don't have to say their name. Yeah. You could just say it was a close friend. Yeah, it was a close friend, and... Um, she, I was, I mostly followed her the most than anybody. And, um, she told me that, um, she had feelings for girls, just girls. And that I was like, oh, okay, I accept you for sure. And, um, then after that, I started to have feelings for her, um, and so that's when I figured out I was probably lesbian. And I am, um, that's when I just had feelings for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Was it scary when you first started having feelings for her? Like, did it scare you or shock you? No. No? It just felt really comfortable? Yeah. Good. Did it scare you to think that maybe you would have to tell your family or your mom? Yes. Yeah, tell me about that. Um, I had no idea my mom accepted the LGBTQ plus or my dad or my brother. Um, I didn't tell them after a little while, um, but apparently I didn't even know, but my mom knew because of the way I dressed and how I acted. Um, and I finally told her and she was like, I thought you were going to say that. And so she accepted me, and then um, later I told my brother, and I told my dad. But my dad had trouble with that. Yeah. It was hard for him? hmm Yeah. How did it feel from the time you knew to the time you told your mom? We call that being closeted. How did it feel to be in the closet? Um, I didn't really worry about it much, but... If I thought about it for a while, I would get scared and I want to tell her really bad, but then I would get anxious and I would overthink about anything that would happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Um, so I get really scared to like, ground me for it or something. Mm-hmm. So I was just going to ask, what were you afraid of? That you would get grounded? or Um... Like, she would, like, uh, I had this one nightmare once about me coming out of her, and she just locked me in my room forever. Mm. That's a pretty scary dream. Yeah. Yeah. How long do you think it was in between knowing who you were and telling your mom? Was it, like, a year or a couple of weeks? Mm, Maybe a few months. Okay. That's great. Yeah. I know I say that's great because some people stay in the closet for most of their life. So a few months is pretty cool. Yeah. What gave you the courage to come out in only a few months as opposed to when you were 22? Mm, I don't know. You don't know? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you did. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. 
for you as a mother, what was that process like for you? So I knew I had known that their friend was, um, had come out and because they were such close friends, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I think as a mom, you know, your kids and you know them in a way and on a level that no one else does. Um, and I, I always try to be very open communication with my kids. Um, you know, like secrets aren't okay. And not because I wanted to know all their business or anything, but that I was always a safe place to come. Like I always told them you were always loved. You are always welcome to be who you are. Um, and so I had this hunch. And then when their friend, they told me that their friend came out to them and I was like, okay. And I just kind of, I didn't bring it up or, or say anything. I was just like, okay. So I think them telling me that about their friend was kind of their way of saying like, is it safe for me to tell you? And so I, I just was like, okay. And you know, do they have new pronouns or, um, are you nervous about it? Have they come out to their own parents? Things like that. And so that was all kind of a conversation, a conversation for quite a few weeks, um, just about, you know, how's your friend? How are you, how are they doing? Um, because I wanted it to kind of stay on the surface so that they could feel safe to tell me about it. Um, and so I would say maybe two to three months later, and said, you know, mom, I, so here's the other thing. They also are very expressive in art. And so in cleaning their room, I had found this painting that they made. And it said, if loving this person is wrong, then I don't want to be right. And I thought, okay, so this is like evidence that they're expressing themselves. And I didn't mention that I had found that painting or any of the other like little doodles that I had found around their room or on their school books or anything like that. Just kind of let it go because that is something that I think is super sacred that they would have to, it's their story to tell. It's not my story to pull out of them. And so, I mean, I, as a mom, I saw the writing on the wall and, and all that is fine. So when they came out, I wanted them to know, not like, oh, I already knew your secret, but like, I know, and I see that and you're seen and it's okay. And I love you no matter what. And so I didn't have to wait long for them to come out and that was okay. Um, and actually I'm really proud of them because like you said, they didn't, hold it in themselves for years and be closeted for years. They um, came out and was very verbal and I want them to be out and proud of who they are. So, yeah. Do you feel like you're out and proud? Yes. Yeah. Is there any part of being pan or being non-binary that feels um, like you're broken or you're damaged? Um, 
Um, the non-binary part with my pronouns and stuff. Some boys in school are calling me like thing and it because they think they them is like an object pronoun. Mm-hmm. And they keep calling me like that thing is blah 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 blah, and it is blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So like me, mm-hmm. it makes me like feel like not that like it's their fault, but like they're young and immature and over the years I'll probably get it but like I can't blame it on everybody because um this is like most of the years when people um are mostly just like rude stupid mm-hmm. yeah and so I just I just tell myself they're just being immature mm-hmm yeah i think it's really interesting in our culture and kind of in our world we we prize people who have experience right like if your resume is better when you're applying for a job you get paid more money if you know how to do more things you're asked of and kind of put in a position of power sometimes and i think it's interesting when it comes to sexuality and gender, that the people who don't have the experience are actually the people who try to cling to their power, their position, you know? So what I'm trying, I guess what I'm trying to get at here is for you who has kind of this really cool experience of being non-binary, I think that's um, hard to be put in a position where because other people don't understand your experience, you're the one who's seen as different or less than, or the one who gets made fun of. Not that we should be making fun of anybody, but. Yeah. Yeah. When that does happen, what do you do? How do you take care of yourself? I mostly just like ignore them. And like, um, cause like, if I give them a reaction, they'll think that's funny. So they'll keep on doing it. Um, I've learned from the past to not make a reaction. Because then they think it's funny. They think it's okay to bully anymore. And mostly they just do it to act, to like, act like they're better than anyone. Mm-hmm. How do you find the courage to not respond? Um, um, I like, sometimes I listen, sometimes I really just don't even know what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I do know what they're saying, I just keep doing what I was doing, not looking at them. Mm-hmm. When that happens, does it feel <clears throat> like confidence inside of you? Or does it feel like sadness inside of you? Fear? Um, I feel sadness because they keep doing it waiting to get a reaction out of me, but I do feel confidence because if I keep doing this, um, it, it'll work because then they'll get tired of trying and they don't get a reaction. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I feel both mostly. Awesome. Um, so being a pan non-binary person, what gives you confidence? That, well, if they, I mean, if people call me um, 
she, like, if I've told them millions of times over years and years, and they go, she is blah, 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 blah. I have confidence in being like, well, I know you're not talking about me because I'm not a girl and I've told you several times over the years. And, um, and even if they're just doing it to make fun of me, I'll just ignore them thinking, oh, they're not talking about me. I just won't give them a rash. Mm-hmm. That's not my pronouns. That's awesome. And about the pan, if some guys are saying, ooh, you don't like me because I'm a boy and uh, they know about my sexuality, um, I'll probably just ignore them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they know what it means and everything. Um, yeah. I just like, I don't really give anybody a, re- a reaction if they're making fun of me. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. It sounds like, and maybe I'm making this up, but when you hear those things and you live through those experiences, when you don't react, do you feel like you're kind of containing all of it and just like holding it under pressure inside of your body? All the sadness that you talked about earlier, or do you feel like it kind of comes in and then leaves right away? Um, like it comes and leaves immediately. Okay, that's great. It sounds like that confidence is really a strong tool that you have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. How is it watching them navigate through this as a mom? It has been a double sword for me because on one side, I'm super upset when I hear the stories of like, so-and-so made fun of me or so-and-so doesn't accept me in their group because of this or that. You know, as a mom, obviously it's infuriating and you want to go sit in the parking lot at the school and watch them all come out and have a few words with those kids. But at the same time, it's like a proud moment because they've gotten the tools they need to, to thrive and to be authentic in life. Um, So I'm proud of them for doing that. Um, I think one of my biggest fears when they came out was how do I prepare this kiddo to be confident in life because we live in a very conservative state and a very conservative community. Um, So as a parent, I've been hypersensitive to people's reactions. Um, And so I wanted to prepare them I don't think I do my child justice if I go in and try to fix everything for them because of where we live and just because of the nature of our society. I don't think that that would be doing them any justice. I have to give them the tools to be able to navigate that for themselves. And so by me going and saying, you're going to accept my kid and you're going to do this or you're going to do that doesn't do them any favors because as adults, we have to be realistic that they're not always going to be accepted um, for who they are. And so, um, so I think it's more important to show them that love at home 
so that they can have that strength when they're not at home and always give them the safe retreat when the world kind of kicks the wind out of them to come back and regroup. Um, Specifically speaking to the bully situation, I have, with my first child, never had to have a conversation with a principal or anything about bullying. Um, He's a chill, happy kid. You know, he has gone through his life with really no incident major like that. Um, So I was not prepared to have a conversation with a principal where I was almost to the point of being disrespectful. But I think as a parent, when you're speaking up for your child, we don't have to sit silent and we don't have to be respectful we have to advocate for our children and calling things for what they are because I don't think policies around the LGBTQ community um, when it comes to bullying in schools is for the oppressed. It is definitely designed for the oppressor. So the rules that um, we encountered in that situation protected the bully. It was, you know, very much like, well, you know, specifically this um, school official told me, you know, this kid picks on somebody every year. So it's just their turn. And I was like, no, that is not okay. The fact that you literally uttered that sentence right now proves that your rules around this bullying situation is not for the kid who's being bullied. It's for the person who's doing the bullying. And so um, I had several conversations with them and with the principal and pretty much demanded that my kid be moved to a different class. And, um, you know, well, I can't say what happens to the bully. All I can do is give my child what they deserve and fight on their behalf. And so um, I would encourage all parents, you don't have to just sit back and say, well, this is cool policy. You can change the policy. Mm-hmm. How did it feel for you to watch your mom fight for you and to make sure that you got into a different class? How did that feel? Um, I mostly felt that um, she really did accept me and was looking out for me. And um, I never seen her like this ever in my life. Um, but when she did that, I, I knew she um, loved me really much. And um, when she made me move a, a whole other class, I felt really more safe and um, I think about it every day just being like, I walk into class and I go like, my mom did this because she loves me and she wants to protect me. And now I feel very much safe because she made it all happen. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of all sorts of different things, but we're right here right now. We think that in psychology, we have this idea of called attachment psychology. And it basically says that our parent kind of creates a, um, like a stamp for us or a mold. 
like a cookie cutter. So if we, if we push it in one place and we, then we push it in another place, we'll get the same results. So in adulthood, we call it a, a template. And so the idea here is if your mom teaches you how, if your mom shows you that she can protect you, then it shows you how to protect yourself. If your mom shows you where you should have confidence in yourself, it teaches you how to have confidence in yourself so that if she's far, far away at work or in a different state, or if you move off to college somewhere, that you take all of those cookie cutters with you and you can replicate what your mom taught you. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like in the same way that your mom helped you feel safe, do you feel like she also helped create your sense of confidence? Because you got a lot of confidence. Which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. How, how do you think your mom helped build up your confidence? She was the one to tell me um, if anyone ever touches me at all about anything, um, I am able to fight back. And even if I get detention or suspended, um, I won't get in trouble when I get home. Because she just really wants me to fight back. And if they say something back, I can either not get them a reaction or talk back to them. We played a lot of scenarios of, um, you know, in the cars where I feel like is a good opportunity to have deep conversations um, because their butts are buckled in and they can't go anywhere. So, <laughs> They're trapped. <laughs> yeah, they're trying. So we did a lot of scenarios with them about like, okay, let's say this person says this or that. And a lot of it is silly, you know, like I'm rubber, you're glue, whatever you say, bounce off me and sticks to you, like all of that stuff. But I think having that kind of funny, but also half serious banter with uh, my kids teaches them like, you could bring humor to the situation or you can make it very serious and put up boundaries. And um, I think for me, boundaries was something that I learned a lot later in life. Um, but that knowledge I want to give my kids, like you don't have to put up with um, someone's evaluation of your value um, for any reason. Like you already know how much you're worth to me and to your father that you don't need to be concerned with what anyone else thinks of you. And so I really think that role-playing situations for M in the car. Um, and I think that um, their brother really helped out too, because he had some pretty good, funny, like comebacks. And I think um, wrapping it in a little bit of humor gave them confidence to be able to say things that, you know, you know, help validate who they are and stick up for sure. themselves. But it feels like as you were teaching your child how to be confident to stand up against bullying, you were kind of in a really unique and beautiful way teaching them how to feel confident in who they are, even without bullying. Do you feel yes, exactly? And that's been my goal because this isn't while this might have been the first bullying situation, this will not be their last. Um, 
So I need them to think back on this and have those tools kind of like in their little toolbox of how they're going to navigate life moving forward. Mm -hmm. For you as the child, do you feel like, let's say you never meet another bully in your entire life. Do you feel confident in who you are? Yes. Yeah. What gives you such confidence? That if I never get any other bully in my life, um, then I would stand out as most as I can, show people that I accept and I don't care what they say. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. What makes you love yourself so much? It's a beautiful thing. But if you were going to teach people how to love themselves too, what do you believe about yourself or experience within your body that really lets you love yourself? Um, I would probably just like, if I was going to like teach someone to love themselves, I would probably tell them, Um, to um, first have Mm self-confidence and first um, figure themselves out before they do anything. Mm -hmm. And then if uh, once they figure themselves out, they could, um, they can do anything they want. And I'll teach them how to not care about any other people who don't accept and um don't love her i mean them oh her them um but like yeah (laughs) that's awesome that's great yeah i think that information will be really helpful for a lot of people I really, really respect your words here because I feel like when I finally figured out who I was, which took me a very long time, I had to figure out not only what was beautiful about me, um, but how to let it be beautiful. I don't know if that makes sense. But if it was like, okay, I know this is beautiful in some ways, but it was different to then experience myself as being a beautiful or unique, a beautifully unique person. And it seems like you got that really early on, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like as a mom, you nurtured that? Um, I think it definitely takes a village. So I can't take all the credit. Um, I think surrounding yourself with a community that's that's going to support you as a person, you as a mother, and then in support your children um, is a huge extension. So it helps that... Um, it helps that their brother is supportive. Um, and, you know, he was aware of the bullying situation and would tell them, you know, like, you're better than this. Or um, he would reinforce, like, you know, you can stick up for yourself um, if you need to. Um, 
you know, he's just a cool kid. And so, you know, he would say, I love you no matter what, or I accept you. So I think him saying those specific words, like I accept you, I love you for who you are, respecting pronouns, um, you know, and saying, well, you know, I don't know what pansexual means, but if that's who you are, I love you. And so there's a element of education there. I think having extended family who accept them for who they are is really important because having a network around you, I think is important. And I have to say that not all of the listeners of this podcast are going to have that network of family in this traditional sense. But I do think that you can build and choose your own family and um, build that community for yourself. There are people out there who can be your, you know, step in and be your mother or your father or um, your brother or your sister. And I think that it's really important at any age to make sure that you surround yourself with the family that you choose and that you love. Um, Because in the end, those are the people that really matter. I get the impression that you have, as a mother, committed to yourself that you would forever be that person for your children. Oh, 100%. I think um, in my personal life, I watched someone, well, several family members, honestly, come out. And it was traumatic for me to watch them come out and not be accepted, let alone go through that experience on my own, like watching that. I knew if I ever had children at that point, cause I was younger, if I ever had children, my kids would know that they're loved. Um, the concept that you can know someone so deeply for so many years and then write that all off because they come out doesn't reconcile in my brain and in my heart. And so um, there's no way that I could give this tiny baby life and watch them form, you know, their little personalities and their speech and their humor and all of that just really is like astonishing thing to watch. But to see them come into their own and then not accept them when they finally become their authentic self or find who they are and not cheer them on for that. Um, I couldn't imagine not being part of that. I couldn't imagine not sitting on the sidelines of their whole life, cheering them on to be who they are. So. And not doing so almost seems like major hypocrisy. Like to, to create the life, to watch them unfold and to be authentic and then to say like, oh, I don't want this or that was the wrong version, you know, like yeah, all these erroneous ways of thinking. Right. And I gave them life so that this is funny because it's from my big fat Greek wedding. Um, I gave the, gave them life so that they could live it um, really means that they could live it for how they choose. Like my kids are not going to live the life that I chose for them because that's insane. Like they have to choose their own life. Um, and that's why, you know, I think as a parent, you choose to have kids and raise them so that they can be beautiful and unique 
and authentic. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. When you hear your mom, you smile and you almost, it looks like you're almost kind of giggling inside. What are you, what are you feeling or thinking? Um, mostly because she's like saying like some stories that I remember mm-hmm. and I forgot about them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh yeah, I remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have always been, um, a performer and I don't mean like in order to get validation but they are hilarious so um, they can tell jokes they love to sing they love to dance um, they're constantly like look at me look at me watch me do this watch me do that so um, I don't think that it's part of their personality or DNA to ever be um a small person in life. Um, their personality is very big and loud. And um, those are all things that I really, really love about them. So I think, uh, yeah, I just think back to when they were a kid and a smaller kid, cause they're still a kid. Um, but when I think back, you know, when they just had to be, um, they were always wearing wigs and wearing costumes. I can specifically think of a Halloween when they wanted to be Captain America. And, um, you know, just all of those things. There's little things in your kids where you know, like, if I don't support this, it's going to be a bad memory instead of a good one. And what's the big deal? So they're Captain America or so they wear dress to the grocery store or so they dress like a tomboy. All of those things are no big deal in the grand scheme of things. Like just let your children be who they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. If there is one, let's say, 10-year-old who maybe feels non-binary or trans or lesbian or pan or gay, and they're really afraid, or um, they don't know what to do, what would you, what would you tell them? Um, I would tell them... Um, to probably, if they are anything, um, be themselves. Um, don't care what anybody else thinks. Just follow your heart. I love that. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. What about for you as a parent, if a parent was listening, thinking about like, observing their kiddo and thinking they might fall somewhere on the gender spectrum or somewhere different on the sexuality spectrum than straight. What would you tell them? Um, as a mom, I think, I think as a mom, you have the knowledge of like how cruel people can be. And I think to, um, you, weigh your kids' happiness against 
all of the people you know or the community you happen to be part of. And as a mom, of course, I had those thoughts like, what is so-and-so going to think? Or how is how are they going to accept my child? But in the end, it doesn't matter. My child is my child. So if I have to build new relationships, I will. If I have to um, not... I don't know what happened. It just, my literally computer just died. Um, You were saying though, that you would recreate any relationship that you needed to, if you had to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as a parent, I think it's important, important, like you're always going to, I think it's sad that in this society you have to let go of your past community sometimes and build a new one. Um, We've been, I think it's over a year now and some relationships are lost. Um, Some are major relationships, but I would rather have authentic friends than have to be fake for the sake of that relationship. And not just because if you don't support my kid, we can't be friends. It's more of um, I want to be authentic and I want my child to be authentic. So then all the relationships I have have to be authentic. I can't be fake and, um, you know, continue in this. And um, I've had to do a lot of things in my life to realize that it, it wasn't when it, when they came out it wasn't like okay cool and now everything's going to be great it was like okay what does this mean for me as a parent and you know I think there was a lot of times where I was like I'm afraid to tell this person or um, there might still be some friendships that I have not said anything about my child um, not because I'm afraid but because I just don't know what their reaction is. And I don't know if I'm ready to let go of that relationship yet. So it's always evolving. Um, And also sometimes too, I feel like I can't tell a friend or a family member because then that outs them. Um, It outs my child and that's their story to tell. And so I have to navigate that and be really careful. I've had to figure that out a lot with their friends' parents. Like, I can't just talk about um, my child in a way like, oh, yeah, this and that. Because I learned early on, and it was, and it's still a part of um, parenthood that I'm navigating, but because of their sexual orientation, it kind of holds me back from saying, yeah, sleepovers are fine. Because it's like, well, I don't know. Do you have a crush on that person? Do you have a crush on that girl? Can can that girl come and spend the night? Um, so it's just navigating on a different level. And um, that is definitely a work in progress when it comes to friend groups. Because I don't want to tell the mother or the father and then 
maybe that friend didn't know. So then the parent tells the friend and I don't ever want to be the kind of mom that steals my child's chance to come out to their peers um, or their own community. Mm -hmm. So um, that's delicate and and something I'm still learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot to learn. Yes. Yes. And I think when it came to sleepovers, just because um, my kiddo really enjoys them and I don't mind them at all. Like we love having friends over, but that for sure was something that we had to have big conversations over because um, my child felt like it was a punishment and it's not a punishment. It's just a pivot. Like we have to just think of sleepovers in a different way now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's been a little source of maybe contention or disagreement. And so sometimes they'll come home and say, I have a new friend, but I don't like them like way, mom. I don't like them. So they're already setting the stage of like, <laughs> can they I can have sleep a over. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, I guess they don't call it play dates anymore. They call it hangout. So can we hang out if, you know, if, if I tell you up front that I don't like them? Um, So, you know, those are just conversations that we continue to have. And as a parent, you know, you have to change your strategy. It's like, okay, well, common areas only, no closed doors. I'm just like you would with any other kid. It just looks different. I just have to be hyper um, vigilant, I guess. Always keep an eye on those relationships. Like, Mm -hmm. is this crossing over into maybe something more? Do I have to cut this in from a sleepover to a late night or you know how do we navigate that so those are things that we're still figuring out but I am on the other hand very proud that if they did have a crush on so and so um, that my house is the safe house because a lot of kids that they have built their community with are not out to their parents and Mm -hmm. so um, in our house we respect pronouns and in our house we respect everyone's um, identity here so um, it makes me happy when friends come over and they say can you call me this when I'm in your house and when but my mom doesn't know and it's not that I'm trying to be secretive with their parents but I'm giving that kid space to be okay to be who they are mm-hmm. and I'm proud that M feels like their house is the house to be Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. So, yeah. Awesome. Any other last words? Anything that you want to say that you didn't get to say today? Um, no. Exactly. Good. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And for you? Just want to say thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the work that the I Am Clinic does and that QR Relationships does because I think um, I think it's important for the LGBTQ plus community knows that there are straight allies out there who are willing to um, to support you, be authentic with you, and um, stand alongside you, cheer you on if you need to be. If you need a cheerleader in your life, like find those people. They're out there and you can build your community and you are loved and you are seen and you're accepted. 
thank you. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Pleasure to have you two on as well. <laughs> the theme for our Pride series is I Am Resilient because I wanted to remind all of you that trauma is strong and effective, but so are we. During this Pride season, I hope, sincerely hope, that you take time to recognize your power, your natural talents, your genuine nature, and your ability to create the safety you need. I hope you take care of yourself from the inside out as you celebrate who you are. Happy Pride! Now let's get back to the show. A mama bear is all things protective, soft, assertive, nurturing, and loving. One of the things we don't talk about very often is that a mama bear commonly feels guilty. Raising a queer child in today's world has to be challenging for a multitude of reasons, ranging from a child's lack of safety in public schools, to anti-queer laws silencing trans and queer children, not to overlook the criminalization of parents supporting their trans kiddos. It is hard to find the right spot to live, the right action to take, and the right tone to use. As many of us know, finding the right language to articulate who we are is hard to zero in on. And while all the changes ebb, flow, and settle, having a supportive and protective parent can make all the difference. Resilience thrives in the context of a safe, unconditionally accepting environment. And creating that environment is one of the major strengths of the mom we heard from today, always wanting and intentionally being a safe place for her children. As I was preparing for today's episode, I watched the video recording of our Zoom call. There's a moment when the mom says, I always wanted them to be out and proud. What a truly healing statement that could have been for many of us. And when her queer child hears this, their jaw drops to the floor and they smile with deep gratitude. It's a very cute moment. The child has the look of freedom on their face, almost like they just received permission to be themselves forever, as though they were holding all options of a great future right in the palm of their hands. From a clinical perspective, that moment is profound. A parent communicated ever so subtly, and yet very blatantly, that she loves the essence of her child unconditionally. And for a child to receive that message over and over again is the ways in which we avoid things like shame, and it is the direct opposite of developmental trauma. These affirmations highlight a child's internal cravings and natural inclinations to be authentic in a way that regards the child's nature as undeniably welcome, wholly respected, and thoroughly enjoyed. These validations inspire the joyful freedom to be out rather than earn value by filtering out. I love how today's mom puts it. It's more important to show them that love when they're at home so that they can have the strength when they're not at home. When we grow up in a relational environment within which a parent or loving adult defends our blossoming, advocates for our authenticity, and protects our core, we learn how to do that for ourselves. 
we develop the ability to find the confidence in the belief that we are good and innocent. In many ways, that is the backbone of resilience. Today's mom was and is very intentional to ensure that her child has everything they need in their toolbox to not only observe what should be bolstered by confidence, but to then hold that confidence within themselves. And now we stumble into the workable part for the adults listening who grew up without parents like the one we heard from today. Let me start by saying, I love it when the child says, first you have to figure yourself out. Outside of trauma, when the fight, flight, or freeze machine turns off, we can re-engage in creativity, adventure, wanderlust, and uninhibited exploration. With the freedom of safety, we have the ability to be creative, playfully investigate, unbiasedly discern, and peacefully explore all parts of our internal world. So in many ways as adults, we have to create that type of safety for ourselves because that safety is the playground where self-esteem finds its fuel. Self-esteem is the ability to identify the faculties we possess, how efficient they are, and how to use them effectively to pierce through challenges. If resilience is a mode to step into, self-esteem is the software. As today's mother showed us, teaching a child how to believe in themselves isn't just about believing in your capabilities, it's about believing in your inherent value. So, in this light, surround yourself with healthy people who see your genuine core. They will help you co-create the software that activates resilience. And while you feed off of the data that they provide, Take stock in all that you possess. What faculties did you use to come out? What characteristics have brought you this far? What keeps you fighting depression or tackling your anxiety? What keeps you being a person of kindness that inspires love? All those traits are true. Maybe all that's left to do is simply believe that that is you. And may that self-esteem fortify your resilience. To today's little guest, thank you for sharing how you found confidence in being loved. Your courage is inspiring and your resilience is exemplary. And to today's mom, thank you for giving us an alternative narrative, another example to the one that most commonly prohibited growth and authenticity. Because of your courage to create an environment out of grit, wisdom, and persistence for your child, you have given us a narrative that can replace our old crippling ones. Mothers like you, who protect and love their children undoubtedly, teach us how to protect and love ourselves full-heartedly. We are lucky to have your example so that we might replicate it over and over. To all my queer siblings, as you move throughout this pride season, take care of yourselves by loving yourselves. Until next time. 
Queer Relation Tips is a podcast sponsored by I Am Clinic, a counseling practice devoted to the LGBTQ plus community with in-person and virtual counseling options available. I Am Clinic, create the love lives and relationships you crave. Find us online on Instagram at LGBTQ underscore therapy and Facebook at I Am Clinic. That's I-A-M Clinic. Thank you.